The Sanctuary, a community of Jesus people promoting the glory of God in all things to all nations through gospel-centered missional living. Whether it be working with groups in Africa to build orphanages and help rid the continent of AIDS, or feeding the hungry, giving to the oppressed, and helping the hurting who live in our own community, The Sanctuary invites you to be part of a culture of passionate service. You can change your world. Be inspired. Join the movement. Hello, friends. I'm, I'm really blessed to be here today to speak with you about um, a topic that has been strong for me for many years. Um, I, think, I think I have this uh, thread of kind of melancholy pondering in my soul, and I first became aware of that when I was a teenager. When I was a teenage girl, I had good friends in church, but not at school. And, and during those junior high, high school years, I was not in the popular crowd. I did not, I was awkward. I was a super tomboy. Never had girlfriend, uh, I had girlfriends, but I never had a boyfriend. Was never invited to a prom. I want you to know you can survive that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's okay, it was okay. But what I, what I did do is I read a lot. I did a lot of reading and I was drawn to books that carried very deep and thoughtful topics. I would read Khalil Gibran and Keith Miller, Taste of New Wine, and I think I did read the Psalms some, hopefully. Um, so what I would do back then, when I would find quotes that I just loved, I would write them out on strips of paper. Then I was, there was no, no post-its back then. Uh, and then I would tape them, scotch tape them, to the inside of my closet door in my room. And that door was, became filled through the years with just all these nuggets that just would speak to my soul. Because I, I was already starting to long for more. What, what's life really about? What does this look like? And I was thinking as I was preparing for this, I wish I had taken a picture of that closet door and just been able to look back at what was I putting up there? You know, what words were I writing? Was I writing? So last um, spring, early summer, the longings of my soul were just troubling me, just stirring me and almost consuming me so much that I finally decided to stop fighting it and just go with it. So I pulled out my little green journal that was empty at the time, and at the top I just wrote the word longings, and I looked that word up in the dictionary, and I'm going to read some of those words to you. Now, I know that at my table over here, not my table, where I was sitting, some of the ladies here were saying that word longings doesn't resonate for them. So let me give you some other words that may resonate more clearly for you and some of the younger women. Uh, dreams, hopes, expectations, those words might speak to your soul more than the word longings. So a longing is an ache of the soul. It's a sick pining, a vague restlessness. It might feel like a yearning, a nostalgia, a craving, a feeling of want, wanting something or someone. It's a strong feeling of need or desire. It's an earnest wish or expectation. Leslie White, in her article, gives another definition I think is so good. She says, longing is a difficult feeling to explain. It's like you feel a gnawing inside, a tug of emotion 
that lingers with a sense of emptiness even though life seems full. I read an article called Five Reasons You Still Feel So Unfulfilled and by Stacy Pardo. I, I love this image she gives, so let's listen to this. The week has worn on me and I find myself feeling empty, balancing my career, family, friendships, and my relationship with God feels like too much and I sense a deep lack of fulfillment. I turn to the cupboard and scan the shelves for one thing to satisfy my longing. But the tightness of my jeans reminds me of my resolution to seek the true source of my longing. I turn toward the living room and crash on the couch, flipping the remote in search of mindless entertainment. Ten minutes later, this too leads to an ardent awareness of my unfulfilled longing. I think that's such a great image, and I really relate to it. I really relate to this. I find myself doing the very things that this woman described, um, just finding, trying to find some more comfort food or find something on TV just to kind of take me out of that aching in my soul. And I, I especially seem to, to, to feel that way when I'm tired or lonely or maybe I'm just hungry or sad or something. So the key verse for today, you've been hearing about it, is Psalm 107, verse 9. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. We're going to dig into this verse throughout my talk today. Um, I want to tell you that in some of your translations, the word longing will be seen as the word thirsty. It's sometimes even hungry, but thirsty. It could be longing, could be thirsty. And the, this word originally applies to an animal that is running around in search of food or water. So don't we tend to do that? Don't we tend to just kind of run around um, searching to satisfy our longings? I know I do. Um, some scriptures uh, from Psalms on the word longings. Oh Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, it also has gone from me. That's Psalm 38, verses 9 and 10. I, I love this verse because here's David saying, All my longing is before you, God. He is not denying his longings. He's not trying to pray them away, thinking that it maybe this is sinful for me to be longing. He's stating that, this longing is not hidden from God. God's created me. He, he understands. He knows and he cares about the longings of our souls. So he's just putting his longings, his hopes, his dreams, his desires right before God. And I think that that just encourages me so much. That that's how I want to, to work with my longings is just keep placing them right at the foot of the cross. Psalm 42.12 says, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's Psalm 63.1. I think that we become spiritually dehydrated 
if you think of it in those terms, when we don't have regular communion with God, um, we're just we're just thirsty. We're hungry. We're thirsty, and we just truly get spiritually dehydrated. So I'm going to ask you the question: What are you longing for? What are you longing for? What are you hoping for? To connect, to belong. Are you hoping for more significance or purpose in your life? Perhaps it's someone to love or someone to love you. That could be a husband, a child, grandchild, a friend, a close friend. Are you longing to be more valued? Perhaps you don't think that you're as highly valued as God values you. Sometimes I think we long for a time in the past when there was just less stress, less pain in our lives, maybe better health, and life just seemed sweeter. One of the deepest longings of our souls is to be seen, to be seen, not to be invisible. I know I get hurt when I'm, when I'm in communicate, or when I'm with people for many years, and I get a sense that I'm still invisible to that person. It, it, it kind of hurts my soul. There's a man named Ryan Taylor. He runs a coffee house in Denver, Colorado, called the Network Coffee House, and I have so much respect for him. I haven't gotten to meet him yet, but he runs, this coffee house is for the homeless. That's who he serves are the homeless. And he serves them coffee and crumpets, as Alan would say, uh, all the time, every day. And he writes a newsletter uh, that I get, and at the end of his newsletter, these are the words he always ends with, you are seen, you are known, you are loved. Now, some of us may not feel that we are connected in relationships on this earth, in human relationships where we are seen, we are known, and we are loved. But I just want to encourage all of us that God sees you. God knows you. God loves you. I had a breakup in a relationship a year or so ago that was very, very painful to me. And during that time, I felt so strongly that I wasn't being known. I was being so misunderstood. And the comfort that God gave me during that time was, I know you, Kathy. I know you. And I know where your heart was in this. And I I know that you didn't intend to cause harm. So what is true about our longings? These are human emotions, and they're birthed by God. They are not sinful. They are human emotions birthed by God, and and they are incredible gifts that awaken our souls. When When our longings stir us, when our hopes and dreams and desires and expectations stir our souls, I think it causes us to be more fully alive. I read a book years ago called Fully Human, Fully Alive. I think that was Keith Miller, Larry Crabb, one of those. And I love that because God wants us to live alive, alive, not flat. He doesn't want us to live flat. Um, the challenge we have with our longings is to continue to, to surrender them to God. We must grapple with the challenge of maintaining forward momentum despite some unfulfilled longings that really do hurt our souls. So I'm going to share some of my personal longings with you. My love language is quality time. I do think I'm quite insatiable 
with some of my longings because I could spend two or three hours with a friend and then like two hours later I'm thinking, well, who am I going to get to see now? (laughs) That's kind of, you know, ridiculous maybe. So I long for more quality time with my son and my extended family who live in Tennessee. I long for a body that doesn't hurt with chronic pain. I long for physical beauty, in particular the mountains of Colorado. I long to go hiking in the mountains. I long for times past, sometimes when my son Nathan was young and Alan and Nathan and I would take our yearly trips to Colorado. I long for my parents. I have my dear friend who died two days ago used to tell me I miss my mom. And I thought, gosh, how does she still miss her mom? But now I get that. I long for my my parents sometimes and this beautiful farm that they owned in central Texas for so long. I long for my adult children to live closer. This is probably my biggest one, so that we could live life together. I long for grandchildren. I love young children. And I long for, when I have grandchildren, I think I will someday, (laughs) that they would not live in Boston. And I'm not saying Austin. I'm saying Boston. (laughs) Because I think they are going to end up in Boston. So... I'll tell you that um, longings are really hard. They've been really hard for me, very, very hard. I hurt with them. I ache. I cry. I, uh, I feel the pain. I really do. And I used to ask God, I really did, I used to ask God just to kill them, just to kill those longings, just rip them out of my soul because I just didn't know how I was going to keep living with them. I just couldn't see how am I going to keep living well with these longings, but he, do, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He uses the longings to draw me to himself in desperate need. And I believe he calls me and you to keep surrendering our longings to God, to him again and again and again. And we are going to live well in the middle of our unfulfilled longings because that's what we do. That's what we do as Christians. That's what God's called us to do. So I want to tell you about Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth. I'm sure many of you know who she is. She's a, just a, such a terrific woman. She's a Christian author, teacher, and host of the radio program Revive Our Hearts. She wrote the book Adorned that many of us studied last summer. Um, she has recently written a new Bible study. Um, called about Elizabeth and the pain that Elizabeth uh, felt in her life, or Elizabeth in the Bible, of course, and her life's disappointments. She has lived well. Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth has lived well and ministered well for her adult life. With many unfulfilled longings, she, we could assume that she would have liked to have had a, a husband, a family, And she did not get married until she was 57 years old. So I want to read to you some thoughts that she wrote in one of her articles about longings. Is there something you've been longing for maybe for years? Your dream job to get married, to have a child? It's not wrong to long for things like these. We talked about that. It's not wrong. Uh Uh-uh. These are good gifts, and our Father wants us to tell him the desires of our hearts. All of us can relate to the tension we feel between the longings of our souls and reality. We have to recognize, though, 
we will always have unfulfilled longings this side of heaven. We just will. That's a biggie, ladies. That's a biggie. We're going to have some unfulfilled longings this side of heaven. The deepest longings of our heart can't be filled by any created person or thing. Joe's been preaching this for quite some time. It's just we're not going to be filled, altogether filled, by a person or a thing. The question is, are we willing to walk obediently even when life doesn't seem to be working? Will we continue to trust and serve God even when our longings are not fulfilled? Let's look back at Psalm 107, verse 9 again. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. I want to look at the second part of this verse. Our hungry soul that God has promised to fill. Psalm 63 verse 5 says, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That's Matthew 5 verse 6. In John 6.35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's all about eternal perspective. It's about eternal perspective. That our hungry souls are going to be filled with him, through him. Not all that good, rich food like lemon squares too often, (laughs) but I loved them. I love them. I love them. I want to talk about another woman who's, I think, a real heroine of the Christian faith. Her name is Laura Story. She's a worship leader, songwriter, and Bible teacher. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia. And the title of her most recent book is When God Doesn't Fix It. I recommend this book to any of you who would like to linger in this topic. When God Doesn't Fix It. Lessons you never wanted to learn, truths you can't live without. In 2005, Laura's husband, Martin, started experiencing some pretty severe health problems. He became very forgetful. He was sleeping excessively, and he often had a very racing heartbeat. And I'm thinking they were in their 30s, a young couple at the time. The the following year, in 2006, Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor. He had surgery. He had multiple complications, but he did survive. He lives with very severe short-term memory loss, um, diminished eyesight, and, and other conditions. There's no cure, no fix. The life that Laura Story dreamed of was no longer possible. However, Laura lives well really well in her unfulfilled longings. Let's hear her words about this. We each have plans and dreams for our lives. We think we know what's best, and if God just followed our plan, everything would be great. But God's plans are much bigger than ours. God didn't answer every prayer. He didn't give us everything we asked for, but he has always been with us loved us, and blessed us beyond anything we could ever imagine. You know, the, you know the, her most popular song is called Blessings, and some of the lyrics from that song are, are these. What if my great... And listen, as you listen to these words, think again about some of the words we're using from 
the key scripture about aching and thirst, okay? What if my greatest disappointments are the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? And what if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest night, are your mercies in disguise? It's a powerful, powerful song. If you're not familiar with it, listen to it and hear all the words. So back to Psalm 107, verse 9 again. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So what are these good things? I would say that we seriously have got to look at what are the spiritual good things that God gives us. Again, look at that, that eternal perspective. First is God himself. God himself. Emmanuel, God with us. That's the, good, the most critical good thing that God gives us is himself through our salvation in Jesus Christ. He gives us the word of God, our Bibles. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, God's mercy, God's faithfulness, God's grace, God's sustaining presence. All that he gives to us are his good things. Some scriptures about this. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. That's Psalm 84, verses 11 and 12. And from James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And that's Psalm 34, verses 8 through 10. Excuse me, one more. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Matthew 7, verses 7 and 11. Another woman that I don't have time to talk about much, but I just want you to have her on your radar if you haven't already. And Joe talks about her as Johnny Erickson Tata. She is just the most incredible um, Christian heroine. So I would just encourage you to read anything she has written. She has articles. She has books. And isn't she a woman who has lived her life with unfulfilled longings as she sits in her wheelchair a quadriplegic, and how she has allowed God to satisfy her heart and become an incredible minister, credible minister. So if you like to read, go to her. <coughs> Excuse me. As we come to recognize our longings, and let's not be afraid to do that. I would encourage you, ladies, look at your dreams, your hopes, your desires. Don't be afraid to look at them. Um, it, it can be painful. It can hurt. But God, God is there to 
to live with us in those, in those pains. As we recognize our longings and we grieve, we grieve for the losses that we feel. Then we surrender those unfulfilled longings to God. He often brings us unexpected blessings into our life. I love this. This is such an encouraging, hopeful truth. Our hearts, though, must be open to receive the gifts that he brings, which don't perfectly mirror our desires and our wants. Yet these unexpected blessings are rich gifts from the Father's love and mercy toward us. This has been true for me in my life, especially these last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, where I would desire this. Oh, I so clearly desire this, but God brings me this. And this is precious, and this is sweet, and this is life-giving for me. It wasn't that, and I'm kind of still like, there's still an ache in my soul somewhat, but God brings this over and over again. C.S. Lewis spoke to this truth about unexpected blessings. He said, when we lose one blessing, another is often most unexpectedly given in its place. I'm going to read that again. That's so encouraging to me. When we lose one blessing, another is often most unexpectedly given in its place. There, there may still be some ache in it. Um, it has been so for me. But still, it's a rich blessing. And, and I, it's so important that we open our hearts to this. I think when we're hurt a great deal, when we're aching and we're hurting, we can really tend to pull inward and isolate ourselves from community. And we can isolate ourselves from God sometimes, too. And then we miss. We're going to miss some of the gifts that God has for us, which will nurture our souls and comfort us and refresh us. So this uh, sign, I'm not sure how well you can see it. It says some of the best blessings are ones we don't even think to ask for. Alan and I were given this little sign a couple of years ago by good friends, and I just I love that way that that is um, stated. For me personally, I think God has given me unexpected blessings of rich friendships that I didn't expect to have at this time in my life. I would not have expected um, just the gifts of friendship that he's brought to me and the opportunities, opportunities to minister. Oftentimes, I think that the aching and the pains and the losses we experience, God will use those, you know this, you know this, to enable us to minister to one another in those places. Here's another quote by a, oh, you should write this down. This woman's name is Laura Captari. I'll spell it for you, C-A-P-T-A-R-I. She wrote the strongest article. The title of it is Living Well with Unsatisfied Longings. Couldn't be much closer than what we're doing. If I had just read her article to you, you would have been encouraged today. So I've got some quotes from her article, but you might want to get online and look it up and read the whole thing. She says this, Often the things we think will make us ultimately happy won't, while the things we could never dream of even asking for bring us breathtaking delight when God orchestrates them. Isn't that rich? She goes on to say, It takes courage to let our longings lead us into community rather than isolate us. 
We need friends who create the space to grieve together over what we don't have and celebrate what we do. To hold our dreams for the future loosely and embrace fully where we are right now. That's so rich. I think it's so rich. Oswald Chambers, a beloved Scottish preacher, also addressed this principle of these unexpected blessings when he said, Do not look for God to come in a particular way, but look for him. That is the way to make room for him. Expect him to come, but do not expect him only in a certain way. And I think that that's what's true about these longings, these hopes, these dreams that we have for ourselves. Don't, we've got to, we got to mature as Christian women, what we do. And yes, we desire this. But we've got to keep looking for how does God want to meet that need in my life. It may be through my picture of what my longing looks like, or it may be differently. All of our longings ultimately must be satisfied in our relationship to God. It's just bottom line. There's not going to be a person, a thing, a job, fill in the blanks that are going to ultimately satisfy our souls. But God does. I told you I like quotes. Remember I was telling you when I was a teenager, I wrote quotes and put them everywhere. So here's some more great quotes. This is a quote by a woman named Courtney McLean. This is a great article too. Her article is called How God Speaks Through Our Unfulfilled Longings. And she says, If the believer understands that all longings in any shape or form are ultimately shadows of her longing for Christ himself, then circumstances will not be able to shake her faith. Uh, that's, a big, that's a tough one. Randy Alcorn, well-known Christian author, says, People are made for the eternal and therefore cannot be ultimately satisfied by the temporal. John Piper says, God is most glorified in us, when we are most satisfied in him. This is hard. This is hard for me. I really like people. <laughs> I really like relationships. Uh, um, and so I'm constantly struggling with thinking I'm going to be fulfilled with, with this, with this earthly life. But ultimately, it's just, it always goes back to what's our relationship to God and how sweet He meets our needs and fulfills the longings of our souls through him and him. He often uses people. Don't don't think I'm not saying that. He uses community, and that's why I'm I'm gonna give a nod again to Thrive Together. That we that we come together more and more to to support and love one another well. One more quote about satisfaction in God from C. S. Lewis. This is one of his classic quotes. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care, on the one hand, never to despise or to be unthankful for the earthly blessings, and on the other 
never, never to mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind of copy or echo or mirage. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country. So what does it mean to live well? What does it mean to live well? My talk is living well with unfulfilled longings. I, I had a hard time condensing that, but just a brief summary. I believe we live in God's grace in freedom that the Holy Spirit's work does in our lives. Through the Holy Spirit work in our lives, in the midst of our unfulfilled longings, we're going to live well. We keep going. We just keep going day by day. We receive fresh manna, the food in the wilderness, every day. Because God's faithfulness and mercies are new every morning. I, I often say to myself when I've had a day where I've had a lot of physical pain or just emotional pain, I literally will say, well, tomorrow's a new day, you know? And I, I don't mean that at all to mean positive thinking. I don't. I, I think of that as God is going to give me grace and mercy and sustenance and hope and courage and all that he gives tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Why is it critical for us to live well with unfulfilled longings? This is really important because it is critical. We need to. As Christian, mature women, we, we need to keep asking God to grow us up. Why is it critical to live well? It's for our good and for God's glory. As God heals and liberates our souls, we will be equipped to love him well and to love others well. And then we will be able to be God's light in this broken world. Because, you know, we all know so many people who are aching and hurting, and some of them don't know Jesus. And we ache and we hurt, but we know Jesus, and we have the hope. How can we live well, even thrive, in the tension between what we want and what God has given? We take our longings to God. We surrender them again and again into his hands. I personally image, I picture um, the cross. And for me, I just picture taking my heartaches, my longings, my desires at the foot of the cross. I cannot draw anything. I, I can't even draw a good stick person, truly. I can't. But a few years ago, I was really aching with some unfulfilled longings, and I, I drew on a journal picture of a cross and then I drew all these little packages like little presents and I labeled them with just brief statements of these heartaches and I just put them all at the foot of the cross and it was a for me it was really helpful I just saw it so in whatever way works for you keep surrendering your longings to God we let the pain of deep sorrows and deep disappointments drive us to God. That's critical. Not away from God. We go to him. He's our safe place. He's our high tower. He loves us. When we take our longings to God and let them, those longings, birth within us a humble desire for his response, his comfort, and his presence, he heals our fractured faith. Sometimes our faith feels like it is fracturing. When we go year after year with pain, 
is unresolved. We trust God. This is how we're going to do it. Excuse me. We're going to trust God. We trust that he can and will use our unfulfilled longings in amazing ways we wouldn't have expected. And we live with hope. Romans 15, 13 is one of my favorite verses. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We have all cause, all reason to live in hope. Because God is a God of hope. Last verse. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. So that means in the midst of all the pain, all the grief, all the dreams and hopes and longings that are not being fulfilled on this earth, because remember, this is not our best life. This is not our best life on this earth. In the middle of all that, God will give us all things at all times, all that we need. So I want to pray for us. Father, I just uh, thank you so much for this time to be here to come and linger with you. I I pray that you would use these words to bring hope and encouragement and comfort and um, just an uplift to each woman's soul. God, you know so intimately each woman sitting here and what are those longings and desires of her heart. I pray that you will enable us to live well in them and with them. Even while we cry and we hurt and we long, God, that we will trust you with our lives. Thank you for your merciful love, Father. Thank you for your your faithful, faithful care for us, your attention, your intimate attention toward us, God. I thank you that we can be authentic. You want us to be real with you, with one another. You want us to... uh, be set free. Lord, I ask that you would set us free to thrive well and to be your ministers, Lord, on this earth. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.